Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. And today's guest is Mandy B. Anderson. Mandy is a TEDx speaker, award-winning best-selling author. She co-founded Rayma Team LLC, a life and leadership coaching company for women. And she's co-host of the Fearless Feminine Leadership Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. She helps female leaders navigate hard choices, speak up, and get noticed. Mandy shares her story of living with cystic fibrosis to encourage others to courageously live their lives to the fullest, no matter what they face. She is a certified life and executive coach and was awarded the honor of being chosen for the top 25 women in business with Prairie Business Magazine in 2020. Mandy lives by the water in North Dakota with her husband, Nate, and her baby, Indigo. Mandy, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you so much, Jeanette. It is an honor to be here with you today. Absolutely. It's my honor to connect with you. I grew up in an evangelical church. Going to healing services and having people pray for you was something that I was just always a part of. And for years and years, I always had people saying, oh, Mandy, you should go up and get prayed for your CF. And I look back on it now and I realize that I think the prayers were answered. I was very healthy as a kid with CF. I once went 11 years without being in the hospital for what we call a tune-up, which is two weeks of being on the medication because basically you just get wore out and your lungs can't fight all of that, the bacterial infections without the medications. A lot of times CF patients can be in the hospital every few years for a tune-up. And I once went 11 years and I look back on that and I think, okay, the prayers were answered. I was very healthy. And then as an adult and in my early twenties, I was very involved in a bigger church and people are always coming up to me saying, you should go get healed of CF. And I don't know that they necessarily meant to put that pressure on me, but I think it did put a lot of pressure on the fact that it wasn't just okay for me to be healthy. I had to get CF gone and which isn't good grammar, but that was the focus of let's get Mandy healed. And so I think that's what really inspired me in that moment to put my faith into action. And that's what dangerous hope is. It's when you put what you're hoping for into action and you do something with it. And I think I had a moment where I realized I've gone to a lot of healing services and nothing ever changes. Maybe I should put my faith in action. And that's ultimately what led me to flush my medicine down the toilet. And it's what brought me onto that journey of realizing, okay, what does it mean to still hope for something when it doesn't look like it's working? And at what point do you admit it's not working and make a change? And my faith today is way different. 
than it was before. I still very much believe in God. I believe that if he wanted to heal me, he could, but I believe that God works through his people more than anything else. And when he chooses to do something that can't be explained and we would explain it as a miracle, that's 100% up to him. But that doesn't mean our prayers aren't being answered or what we're hoping for can't happen if it doesn't look like a miracle. I had a doctor appointment just last week. And one of the things to understand is that in the CF community, our medical team becomes like extended family because a lot of us have known everybody on our team the majority of our life. So one of my respiratory therapists I've known since I was really little, and she's now in a different position, but I still think of her as a respiratory therapist. And she said to me the other day, she's like, even with all of the conferences we've gone to learn about CF and to hear different stories, I have never, ever heard of anybody bouncing back from where you were at and getting their health back without a lung transplant. Wow. And I think that's the miracle, but I have to take medicine to experience it. I think had I not made the decision to rise up and work that mulch into the ground and make it matter, I think I would have died. I think that there was a moment where I decided no matter what my future looked like, I wasn't going to give up. I was going to own it and I was going to accept the consequences. And I think had I looked in the mirror and said, I'm done, we wouldn't be here having a conversation like this. When I read your story and you gave some statistics of the number of people who have been helped in the AF community by some of the recent drug trials, I thought to myself, yeah, dangerous hope is it's more than a notion, more than a notion. The realization mm -hmm. that I got from reading what you, you expressed is that hope is dangerous for a couple of different reasons. You want to talk about mm -hmm. that? Yeah. So so it is dangerous for a couple different reasons. It's because on the one hand, if you hope for something and it doesn't happen, you risk some major disappointment. And a lot of times you can even risk going into depression and then you're stuck trying to figure out how do you get out of that, right? Like how do you get out of that hope deferred feeling or that season. And the other reason why it's dangerous though, is because if you hope for something and it does happen, that can change the entire world for generations to come. And I think the prime example of that is right within the cystic fibrosis community, because there is an organization called the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. They are a worldwide organization. They fundraise for research and they are the reason so many medical advancements have happened. And it started with some parents, like a handful of parents that decided they were going to put together a support group for their kids that had CF back in the 50s and were given a couple years to live. And they figured we got to do something about this. And eventually that grew into an organization where research has been happening for decades. And it's because of their efforts and their ability to work through that cycle of dangerous hope and keep going even when it didn't look like it was working. It's because of their efforts that the life expectancy is longer and they really are getting close to a cure because there are some CF patients who now don't have to do their breathing treatments anymore because of the medication and how well it's working for them. I'm not so sure, even if they gave me a guarantee that, hey, you don't ever have to do a treatment again, this is going to fix it. I'm not so sure I would give up 100% of my treatments because because of what I've experienced, especially in the morning, like doing my treatment in the morning is a thing that sets my day in, in motion. It's the structure that I need to have some time to myself and put myself together for the day. And I think it's exciting for the younger generations to have such a 
full future in front of them. And at the same time, I don't know if I will see a time when we have a cure in my lifetime. I think it's pretty hopeful that there will be. I don't know what that would mean for me though, or what I would be willing to change because of what I've experienced. But really all we can ask for is hope that our quality of life can be easier and better because we're never going to be able to get rid of the challenges and the heartbreak and physical ailments just as a human species. That's what life on planet earth is. And no matter what we believe spiritually, that's the reality. There are hardships, no matter what you believe or what your background is or what kind of upbringing you had, there are always going to be hardships and some of them are really traumatic. But if we can hope to make it matter, then we will. We'll figure out how to make it matter. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Let me ask you this question. As it relates to your consulting business, let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. I want my listeners to understand you're not only the CF girl, okay? Yeah. I started my company back in 2014 with my best friend of over 20 years. We met when we were like the summer between fifth and sixth grade. We met at a little tiny Baptist Bible camp and we had never lived in the same town until 2000. 12 or 2011. And so during the time that I was going through all of this, my best friend was also going through some of her own health things. So we became each other's family. And so it was in that season of our lives where we were both going through some very hard things that we decided we're going to start our company together. And she was working to become a counselor and a life coach. I was working on becoming a health coach with the plan that I wanted to do more coaching and different avenues. And we always wanted to write a book together. And so we thought, hey, if we become coaches, we could write our own content and write these books together. And so that's exactly what we did. And so we are now a 100% women-owned company. And we've been focusing more on life and leadership coaching for women. But an interesting thing has been happening this year. And we've actually been working with corporate teams quite a bit. And so we're in the process of rebranding some of our core leadership principles into material that can be used for both men and women, because we've been working with women leaders who are like the leadership principles that you have are so foundational and so applicable for everybody. Do you have this in a format where I could share it with some of the men on my team that I lead? And so we just thought it's time to expand that a little bit. I think we will always have a heart for women's empowerment and coaching in that aspect. But we are having a blast working with corporate teams too that really want to, as we put it, revolutionize how leadership development is done. So it's not the old school methods of control and only productivity based, but we're marrying some timeless leadership skills with life coaching techniques that apply and leave a legacy in a new sort of way. Yes, refreshing. Coming out Mm -hmm. of the corporate environment, need I say more? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we use what are you planting and the weeds and seeds that I talk about in Dangerous Hope and how through each cycle, we've got to look at what are we planting and what's there. And so we use that in our leadership principles and in our training with corporate teams. And it's going really well. I think a lot of corporations are looking for fresh leadership styles because you can only teach sales techniques and marketing techniques and productivity so many ways. We don't actually touch 
hardly any of that. We're way more focused on developing quality leaders who can handle what they're hoping for, who can handle when life gets hard and lead well in the midst of that, no matter what they face. I mean, there's some common sense approaches that are very applicable in the corporate Mm -hmm. environment. What I recognized over time is that the women who declared that they were going to lead different, it came a bit as a surprise. I think typically women think they have to act like a man to lead. And that's just not true. And if they've had really great examples of female leaders who know how to draw out the best in people, not expect them to be like everybody else, then they probably don't struggle with that. But there are a lot of women who, like you said, their example has been male leadership ahead of them. And not that the way that men lead is wrong. However, there is an element to the way that women lead where we are just naturally more community minded. We make our decisions usually based on what's good for the group. And we want to include the group instead of it just being a, I said so, so do it type of thing. And I think there's so much to learn between everybody. That's some of my favorite things is helping a team see the differences in each other and be able to draw out the best and come to terms and process where they're maybe processing things incorrectly and where misunderstanding is happening because of body language or because of expecting everybody to think the way that you do. And I think when you have a team that has the opportunity to look at this and consider different things and consider different viewpoints because they're hearing it and they have a coach who knows how to let people speak up or if somebody keeps getting interrupted, knows how to call that out and give them space to talk. So much can be learned and that's how you can really grow stronger as a team. I do believe that it's not only the responsibility of leaders, it's responsibility of the entire team. That's one of the things that we definitely point out is that everybody is a leader, no matter what their title is. Think about it though. Honestly, Mm -hmm. everyone is a leader in their own life, in their own right. Always going to have people who no matter how you frame it, they look at it as leadership is title-based only and you got to go through the corporate ladder and all of that. But I think there's a lot of hope in the fact that people can learn new skills. People can start to look at their legacy of the life that they're living differently. And when they start to do that, that's going to change the legacy of leadership. Everything Mm -hmm. is different. The work that you're doing is really important work. So let me ask you this as we wrap it up. What's the one question that I didn't ask you? The one question you didn't ask me. Oh, I would say, where did this idea of dangerous hope come from in the first place? It's one of my favorite stories to tell because it didn't come from the farming stories for my dad. That was the metaphor that pulled it all together. But I am a big fan of young adult fiction. The Hunger Games is my absolute favorite. Twilight, Harry Potter, those type of things. But The Hunger Games is one of my favorites. And I think it's because I was introduced to it when I was in the hospital fighting for my life during that season. And there was something about Kat that I just really connected with. I had never read a character who could show me in fiction what it was like to go through the traumatic things like panic attacks and anxiety and depression. And so meeting her on the pages of The Hunger Games during that time where I was so hopeless, like totally felt hopeless, 
it sparked hope in me again a little bit. It spoke to that warrior inside of me and that fighter inside of me. And there is a line that is actually said in the movie. I don't think it's in the book, but it's in the movie. And the villain of the story, his name is President Snow. He ends up saying this line. He says, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective. A lot of hope is dangerous. A few years before I wrote Dangerous Hope, I was watching the movie and it stuck with me. Like a lot of hope is dangerous. And I just started asking myself, why is hope dangerous? What? I don't know. I was drawn to it and I thought there is something there I'm supposed to do with. And I let it simmer for a good two years before I even started talking about it or even put together a pitch for my TED talk and not at all thinking it would turn into the story and the message that it is, but it did. And I think that's really where it came from was from fiction. I think coming to terms with the creative artsy side of myself has been an ongoing process because growing up, I always wanted to be a singer. And then when I turned into an adult in my twenties, I thought I have to get a real job to pay the bills. And so I've always been fascinated with leadership and growing teams and all of that side of the corporate world, the stiletto heels and walking in the room and being the leader. But then I've always wanted to just be the creative and write and sing and look at art. And so I think I'm, I have found how to do a little bit of both with what I get to do. And so I'm very inspired by those type of things. That's a beautiful, beautiful segue. And it's very powerful, very powerful. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Sure. So there's a couple ways. You can find me at mandybanderson.com. It's M-A-N-D-Y, B as in boy, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com. And that will actually lead you to my company page as well for Rayma Team. You can follow me on Instagram. That is probably one of my favorite places to hang out. Ms. Mandy. Mandy B. Anderson is my handle there. And you can also find me on LinkedIn under Mandy B. Anderson. This has been a pleasure. I forgot to add, they can get my book on Amazon, Dangerous Hope. And if they want to hear me on the podcast, the Fearless Feminine Leadership Podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we are in the process of figuring out different guests that we want for next year. So I will definitely keep you in mind because this has been a great opportunity to just chat with you. I love the conversation that we had. And so I'd love to continue the conversation from your point of view in the future at some point. I appreciate that. I really do. What's coming up next for you? I wanted to ask you about that. So we have a life and business retreat that we always do towards the end of the year. It's a, an end of the year planning retreat. We are just just getting the details together for that and what the name of it is going to be this year. That usually happens in December. And then every February, we have an event for women called Beautiful Wholeness. It happens in Bismarck, North Dakota. It is not going to be a virtual experience. We only have in-person seats for this, but we have had women fly from California to here, from Kentucky. We've had women from all over the nation come to our Beautiful Wholeness event. So it's really a great day of life and leadership coaching for women. That's how happening in February. And then our new Rama Foundation leadership curriculum for companies is going to be unrolling in the new year as well. I do follow you on LinkedIn, so I will more than likely get those alerts when you post. It's been a pleasure to meet you and spend this time with you. So don't be a stranger to the next chapter experience. I hope we can talk again in the near future. Yes, I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Have a wonderful day.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.